You've played the missions. But do you really know the lore? We're here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. And good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 172, recorded June 21st, 2023. The topic for this episode is the NPA Weir Walker Armor, Part 1. I'm going to be your host this time. I am Elemist. Hi, I'm Orchid. Hey, Orchid. Hello. So, podcast info. We encourage feedback. That can be sent to us on Twitter at Guardians underscore Lore at hey it's orchid or at i underscore am underscore elemist you can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com you can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast uh, you could also jump into our discord the invite is in the episode description but if you want to type it out it's discord.gg slash lore hub you can also find us on instagram at guardians so flore if you'd like to support the podcast and help us pay rent <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to read it. Keep going. <laughs> if you'd like to support the podcast and help us pay Rindle to go outside and touch grass, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Finger Guns. Yes. Thank you so much, Finger Guns. I actually wrote all of that in the show notes. And also... You're welcome. And also, thanks again to our subscribers, Valaragna. Linkman22, Doom, Firebired, Saladin's Croutons, and Unnamed Guardian. Lesson 3. You can also find our info on thelordnetwork.com, alongside many impressive lore content creators. We're still there! Yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) So, this week at Guardians Lore, the Twoggle... There's a note here saying, ha, 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 what time limit? Oh, my God. We have so much to talk about. What time limit? Because the last one said 10 minute time limit. And I'm like, nah, 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 fam. There's no time <laughs> limit today. There's so much to talk about. There is too much to talk about. We finally got the cutscene. We knew it was coming. But we finally got the cutscene. And it answered literally all of our questions that we had from fucking Lightfall. So, yes. Let's break it down. Let's break it down, everybody. One, two, three, four, five. Break down, baby. So. Stupid cutscene. So. I mean, it was so good. It was so good. But let's break it down. I, I loved. Like, the cutscene was amazing. I, I The cutscene was so good. The art was oh. brutal. Like. There was I, the part where there's just bodies in a triangle. I'm like, Bungie, right. how are you getting away with this? Right. Isn't this rated T for teen, not T for, oh my God, there are bodies in a triangle. It's not T for triangle. <laughs> it's T for teen. It's T for tragedy. It's T for tragedy. No. T for trauma. Thank you, Doom. T for trauma. <laughs> no. Uh, triangle tragedy so, trauma 
So for those who haven't seen it yet and aren't really planning to see it yet, we're going to be describing the actual scene. So what the scene is, is Sloan and Asa's connection gets better to the point that like Asa is just using Sloan as a microphone. It's a meat puppet. She's meat puppeting her. Yeah. And Asa tells us the witness's origins. Mm-hmm. So the witness was actually part of a a civilization unnamed and the traveler came to them. It from the cutscene it kind of looked like the traveler was underground. It looks like the traveler was buried in their planet and then grew up through the planet. Like it had been hiding in their planet from something. Right. Which led me to believe like the big question for me was why was it buried in the ground? Um Right. Of who put it there? Did the planet grow around the traveler or did someone hide it in their planet? Or did the planet like grow around the traveler? Yeah, but it legitimately looked like it had been in the ground and then it slowly grew up from the ground. Like, I'm, and I know that they were that they called it the gardener because it grew life. Right. Like literally like sprouted life from it. They're the ones that called it the gardener. I'm just thinking of like this this Doctor Who episode from the David Tennant years where they found out that the the core of Earth was really an alien ship. Right. And Earth just kind of formed around it. Yeah. And that was my initial thought. Mm-hmm. But so the traveler frees itself from the ground it gifts the light to the unnamed civilization Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it actually says that you know it gave them gifts it gave them gifts of you know light and prosperity like every single race that it gifts the light to or just being around but it never spoke to them no so you know i don't think it really speaks to anybody yeah like everyone's like it's it doesn't talk to us and i'm like does it talk to literally anybody why does everyone expect the giant golf ball in the sky to talk to you i don't know like who the fuck thinks it's supposed to talk to you like seriously well like my my thing, crazy people. My thing is, how did it give gifts without saying anything? Did it like just drop shit right at everybody's doorstep? Like, I mean, maybe it gave them ghosts. Who knows? I mean, it can give them the light. That's gifts. It probably like gave them technology. That's gifts. It gave them long life. Gave them like really good crops. That's gifts. Gifts don't have to be physical objects. Gifts can be like. No, I I get that, but like I have a disconnect of this civilization realizing, oh hey, we're living longer than normal. I don't think they knew what normal was because they'd always had it. And and that's that's what I'm getting at. Like how did they know that the traveler gave them gifts? Because I don't know. I think they're shitty. These people sound shitty. 
So that 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 was the only problem that I had with it. But aside from that, maybe it just pooped out gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Doom. Um, <laughs> they discovered that the traveler gardener at this point had an opposite or an appendage, like. It's still unclear what the veil it specifically is in relation to the traveler. I think, okay, I think the traveler is running around naked and the veil is its pants. What? Probably. Like, I honestly, because they just go together. Right. Like, it, it's like a door and a key. It's magical girl. Oh, God. Um, excuse me, what the actual fuck? It's a magical girl transformation. Hear me out. Okay. So when it's holding its wand and then it does a magical girl transformation and it becomes a Trevussy. Okay. Like it has the veil and it's like traveler girl power. And then it like does a little spinny and it opens the Trevussy and it becomes Trevussy. What the Sailor traveler because they're to, because they're together now. God. Sailor traveler, yeah. Um, because it just like slips the veil on. It just slides into that like weird cup that is the veil, which is like a sliding glass door unhinged. Yeah, yeah. It just like stick that ball right in the cup, <laughs> like some sort of golf game. Anyway, yeah. because the traveler didn't speak to them or to the the civilization, uh-huh. they were aimless, and they they essentially saw the light as chaos, like just unfettered chaos. Okay, in their defense, in their defense. They're right. The light is chaotic. <laughs> They're completely right. They're 100% correct. It is chaotic. It's shitty. It Whenever it leaves planets, it leaves them completely destroyed. Yeah. Uh, the light is, is bad. Yeah. Like, they're not wrong. Because it makes people crazy when they get it. Like, warlords, bad. Like, ultimate power destroys people ultimately. Yeah. You know? Or whatever that saying is. So, I mean, it's not necessarily a good thing. Like, you have to have a really strong set of morals to be able to use it right. Yeah. You know? And it's not like the light is really... use. It's not like picking people discriminately. It's just like giving it to whomever. It doesn't give a shit who it gives it to. It's not like vetting the people that it gives it to. It's not being like, oh, maybe should I give it to these people? I don't know. Like, it's just giving it to whomever. Yeah. It saw, I swear to God, it like saw the hive and it's like, cool, I'll give it to these assholes. And it's like, what? Why? Have you seen these guys? <laughs> oh my God. No, you, you're completely right. They're like that, the, the the light is just chaos. And because of that, this civilization was like, somebody needs to rein that in. Somebody needs to bring order to the chaos. And that's where the witness comes in. Essentially, what the witness does, 
or what the witness is. The civilization used the power of darkness to bind everyone in that like species to a single entity. So they rat kinged themselves into <laughs> one person. They're like, hey, so instead of a rat king, which if you've seen an actual rat king is super gross. It's like when rats get there are so many of them, they get tangled up in themselves. Like it's not just like a gun or a symbol on a gun. It's a legitimate actual thing like icky. Yeah. There's they're in San Francisco, like where I'm from. If you see them in the city, they're icky. But yeah, if there you could see them everywhere. New York has them too, I'm sure. Ew. But yeah, they decided that they're just going to be super hardcore and metal and brutal and just like kill themselves in a pile of body parts that looks like the Travusi. And uh, they're like super into triangles in this race. This is like the battle of like circles versus triangles. Oh, yeah. And 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 any child can tell you, OK, where does the where does the triangle peg go? That's right. The circle hole. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's real just <laughs> brutalistic shit. And then they all became like a cloud of faces and are now one being, but a cloud of beings. Ew. So. Yeah. Cool. And and that that was pretty much the cutscene. Yeah. I'm going to be going back over the lore book unveiling again. Yeah. Because like mm-hmm. knowing all this now it it changes the actual context for that book. It makes you wonder if that is just like a myth that they already had beforehand and then named it like the gardener and themselves the winnower after that and like shaped kind of the mythology like around that or they wrote that after they already had the traveler like i don't know like which came first well like i'm trying to remember the cutscene, and there was a line specifically in there that said you know that they they needed meaning they they you know, the gardener needed a winnower. I think the actual like chain of events ended up being, you know, the traveler gave the gifts. They came up with the idea of the winnower and then the witness was born. Uh, talking about that, they the witnesses first victims were themselves. And when they needed meaning in their lives and structure, they specifically said in the cutscene that they needed winnowing from the gardener and a shape. They used those specific words. Mm-hmm. And then when they got to the end and they talked about like a final shape that they wanted, they used calcification, final and perfection. And um, calcification is like kind of very final and it can't really be undone. Um, like you can't put that shape back to how it was like you can undo calcification with acid but it's not 
It's not going to be like what it was. Yeah, that's, that's you can't like paste it back together. It's again. not really undoing it, but it's more of like reshaping it. Yeah. But like if you calcify like something that's jelly, it's going to lose like whatever like jellified shape it was like you're going to harden it. You're going to it's very final. Like it's not going to be like your weird jelly shroom. So like making that like really jellified veil into its final shape. It's a literal final calcified perfected shape means you, like it won't be able to be the Travussi anymore. Like literally calcifying it means you cannot undo it. It's like a stalagmite in a cave. Like that's been calcified. Okay. So, but they said that they were trying to impose meaning on a meaningless universe was the line that they used. Yeah. But I think it's really cool. I thought it was really neat. It is. It, I really enjoyed it a lot. Like I, like I said, I I love the cutscene. It was amazing. Yeah. The lore in it is so good and it answered so many questions. And that right there takes us into some of the issues we had with the cutscene. The timing of it. So one issue is that this came out four months after Lightfall. Mm-hmm. The way production schedules work, and I've worked in um I've worked in video games as a voice actor before doing voice acting for like a visual novel. So I know how long it takes to get voice lines in to a game before it gets released. And that is like so long before the actual like release of the game. And in order for that to be done, it has to be like, Months and months and months and months and months and months and months before the game is able to be done for this kind of thing. This has to be like. Bungie is usually two seasons ahead for their production schedule. So while we're playing a season, their next season is already done. And then their season after that is being worked on. Is usually how seasons work. And that and that makes sense, especially with how quickly they have to churn out content. Yeah. And um, on top of that, their next um, expansion is already like in playtesting, like final shape is already in playtesting. Parts of it are. So if you think back to when we were playing Lightfall, this was already done. Yeah. And could have been in the game, but it wasn't. This was a choice that someone made. I don't think it was a choice that the designers made. I think this was a choice that other people made. Right. This doesn't feel like an artistic choice. This feels like either they couldn't get this in on our production schedule and it was like a crunch choice. And so they just couldn't slip it in on time, which is entirely possible. Yeah. And so they're like, 
well, shit, we can't get it in to Lightfall on the schedule that we want. Because Lightfall was kind of rushed, I don't want to say, but it kind of was. It it definitely feels it. Yeah. It feels like they just like didn't have all the people on it like that they wanted. And I don't want to blame Marathon for that. Or blame a lot of the people being on Final Shape already. Because I know Final Shape was already in production as well. And this was like kind of a stopgap. So I don't want to say like this was kind of in between, but it was kind of in between. So this could have just been like a, well, we didn't have time to put it in the game. So now it's in a seasonal thing. But because of that choice, like however reason why it fell that way, that it just fell into seasonal content instead. So I think it was more of like a time reason and not like a decision decision. And it's just unfortunate. It is. And that sucks. And it's really bad. Like really bad. I know judging it from from the player's perspective, it it feels bad. Like I'm trying to dis- to figure out why they made the decision to actually release this as part of a seasonal content drop and not like a quest with the expansion that was just, you know, that happened to be released like now. Probably more eyes or they didn't have as much of a seasonal story as you thought they would. It could have just been like, shit, what are we going to do for a story? We don't have as much as we would like. Oh, well, we could move this story beat that we wanted to put into, you know, a seasonal story we wanted to put into Lightfall, but couldn't. Oh, we could flesh it out into this whole thing and bring Titan back and make it a whole seasonal story. That very well could be. And it goes with this really cool dungeon that we're making. That that very well could be. And but and and that's that's the part that I'm having like that that's the part that's that's getting at me is just that at the end of this year when the seasonal content is vaulted, this cutscene and all context for the witness is gonna be vaulted as well. That's my biggest problem for all this is that that will be gone. Like, we'll still have Lightfall because they're like, we're not, we're no longer sunsetting any actual material. Like, any... um, Any expansions. Any expansions and all stuff associated with expansions are staying. But this thing that answers all of the questions we had in the expansion is seasonal content. And you better believe that my friends that work at Bungie take like great umbrage and sadness and also a little bit of joy at sunsetting all of their shit at the end of the year. (laughs) They have to delete everything because they're like, yeah, we have to sunset all of our stuff. And that's literally deleting stuff out of the game. And it's sad because they worked on it and it's like fleeting None of your stuff stays. It's the stuff that you worked on like for months and it's not in the game anymore. You have like no lasting power in the game. Right. Like some titles that you made or like an emblem you designed is still there. And that's. And that's it. That's usually why 
the last season of the year is so light because at that point, like this content's only going to be around for three months. Why put as much effort into it? Cause like we've, we've seen that before and a lot of it has also been because, you know, those last seasons have been extended, but but at the same time, that's when we had like the really cool Seraph season. They knew that Archie was going to come back. They knew that the um, exotic mission was going to come back. So they put a lot of time into that. That is fair. But those and they knew the battlegrounds were going to come back. And I'm I'm mostly looking back at like season of the lost season of arrivals um, i could not tell you what those were about <laughs> at right this point because right. i haven't thought about them in that long well and and like those seasons were I just so knew what arrivals were the the arrivals was the the season of the triangles and we i think that was the one where we did gambit but on the gambit planets. the public event yeah but gambit the public event i fucking hated that gambit the public event was awful <laughs> No, and, and and that's exactly it. Like, I I see their frustration because they do all this work for months. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it's gone. And then it's and for it's this gone. now, yeah. But this is going to be gone, and now people who decide they're going to just start playing Destiny in the last season of this major arc, they're like, oh yeah, Final Shape. That's a really good time to start playing this ten year long story. I'm going to start now. Like, don't do that. Right. Tell your friends to not play this game. <laughs> but I mean, they're going to play Lightfall if they start playing next year. They're going to be like, well, what the fuck is all this stuff? Couldn't tell you because they deleted it out of the game. You have to go watch like Esoteric in fucking Destiny Lore Vault or something because Bungie is definitely not going to have it in the game because it's gone. So... I'm ho- all that like we're not sunsetting stuff. That's a lie. I'm hoping because this is going to be deleted. I'm hoping that Bungie actually goes through and updates their playlist of the seasonal cutscenes as the seasons come out, because otherwise it we're going to be having having to rely on third parties on YouTube in order to actually see it. Hey guys, Editing Rindall here. While we were putting this together, Bungie confirmed in a tweet from the Destiny 2 team account that the cutscene will be available in-game when the final shape drops. Considering how incredibly important this scene is to the narrative, they really didn't have any other choice, and while I'm glad that that is the case, I'm still personally really irked with how all this came together, but... Hey, it's still in there. You get all the story beats by playing the game, and that's ultimately what matters. Anyway, back to the show. The thing I would honestly like to see, and I mean, take this with a grain of salt, like, is on the actual timeline we have in the game is being able to click on the season and have the ability to watch the cutscene for that season in the game. That would be cool. That's like the ultimate thing I would like. Like have all the cutscenes 
for the game be in the game. That would be. And cool. I don't think that would be really hard if even then, like if you could even just open up a, like an in-game browser to do it, because like PlayStation, Xbox and PC can all do that, can open up like an in-game browser. So open up an in-game like, browser to YouTube and to YouTube or to or even, yeah, to YouTube to just open up a video of like open it full screen or something you know yeah, yeah a full screen or even like a windowed screen of like the cutscene for that that you have the ability to make full screen and, and even if they decided to actually just like render all the video and just place it in the actual game files like i don't think it would be too large no i don't think it would maybe either, but... maybe a gig max I would like to be able to go watch them. Like, I think that would be really cool and have them in the correct seasons, like where they belong. I think that'd be really nice to be able to see like the cutscenes, like that matter that they think matter to the story. Because I mean, they have a lore historian or lore gremlin or whatever they call them. So let the lore gremlin decide what's important. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think that would be a really good way to put in the cutscenes and whatever lore cutscenes they think matter. You know, like the one where um, Crow gets rezzed and, yeah. you know, like the or, or, almighty crashes. Or when Gaul dies. Gaul dies is very important. Or um, the one where the speaker is really mouthy during the Red War is one of my favorite oh. cutscenes in the entire game and it's just kind of gone forever because it's in the middle of the game like it's in the middle of the campaign and it's like a flash in the pan but like he's hanging there like strewn up like arms in the air legs and just telling telling gall to go kill himself yeah he's yeah he's pretty much like go fuck yourself gall and i'm like you're so cool and then he's dead and i'm like god damn it <laughs> like it's so cool it, it's oh the speaker's so awesome he goes out like such a badass oh my god he does like oh god the speaker's so awesome and like people who never played destiny one and just picked up destiny two like way after the red war have no idea who he is yeah like i was just thinking about that right now like they have no idea who he is. They're like, who the fuck is the speaker? And I'm like, this badass that really loved us. Like, well, and and so like we we had season of the haunted where we dove into um, all the different characters past traumas, and you know, yeah, Kaidos was Gaul, and yeah. they already don't even know who they, he is. They sunset the or they vaulted the Red War, so like, but we've seen any, him. Anybody who was jumping in then had no clue yeah but we fought him again and no one knew who he was right which is wild because we fought him and all of us who like played the beginning of destiny 2 are like oh this asshole you have all the supers <laughs> this is the third time beating him we we've killed you so many times <laughs> what up because like it was also wild the nightmare shit. of goal yeah exactly but like when it boiled down to it, like anybody jumping in after Shadowkeep would not have done Shadowkeep or to the extent that, that you know, most people did. 
right. during that year. And they would have no clue. And even if like they did jump in with Shadow Keep after, you know, the Red War was was vaulted, like they wouldn't have a clue who the hell Gaul was. Yeah. Awesome. Like honestly, Gaul was a pretty awesome bad guy. Like as like uh, bad guys go, he was pretty awesome. And it makes me sad that new players do not know like to the extent of like how awesome Gaul was and like how much of a bad guy he was. And and there's there's plenty of of cases like that. Yeah. But he was a bad guy. Like capital B bad guy. I mean, hell, thinking about stuff from just this season, Brachion. Oh yeah. Fuck. There's like ugh. the Avalon mission yeah. or from last season, I think. They never got to do that strike. That strike is right. awesome. Right. Like the actual strike was so much fun. A bunch of us, when we got down there, when you and I got down there, I'm like, oh, I got to change her rockets because that's how you kill him. Like, right. We know the original strat. <laughs> and and that's that's exactly what I'm, I'm getting at. Like, yeah, all of us who, veterans are like, oh, yeah, this is exactly how we deal, deal with it. Yeah. It was a lot more hairy in the original one because it took a lot longer and he had like barriers you yeah. had to wait for. And it was really annoying anybody coming in this year or or, you know after the the sun setting they're gonna be like who the hell is this brachion yeah exactly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and that's that's the problem that i'm having is that i wish there was a way and they might be working on it we've given a couple different examples but i'm i'm hoping that there is a better way than just pull up youtube I mean, they don't even know who Ashermir is. The real Ashermir. Yeah. That asshole. I love him. But anyway, we're like way in the weeds. Um, and we're beating a dead horse here at this point. We love the cutscene. It's really good. Yes. Um, at the very end, you hear a radio call from the Drifter to Zavala. And we get something that totally pays off from Elvis and I that we've had for a very long time. Back from season of the Drifter. That Elvis totally calls Elvis. I swear this must have been like episode 12. It lay it on me, Elvis. What did you call, please? I had a theory way back when that the Drifter had feelings for Orin. And it has paid off, has it not? Oh, I felt so vindicated there. Vindication! So good. Like, literally... Drifter loves Orin, let's go. I heard the line, and I sat there like Leonardo DiCaprio, just, you know, snap and <sighs> point. <laughs> like, ah Here I come. Oh, here I come. Oh. So good. So good. Uh, what up? What up? But the the actual line was something to the effect of, you know, he has faith in Orin and Zavala is like, Orin? Yeah. What does Orin have to do with this? And I'm like, Zavala, shut up. It's because he loved Orin. <laughs> you dumb blue bitch. Like, how do you not know? How do you not know? It was so good. Oh. But, um... He had faith in the nine because he has faith in what Orin once was. 
in the yep. person. And then he called out Zavala for not having faith in like something anymore. It was like, and just going blindly through life or something. Well, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's true. It it is true, and and I mean, for centuries, Zavala had faith in the Traveler, and then the Traveler just gave our enemies the one resource that we held sacred, and then it up and abandoned us. Yeah. Like, it was starting to flee. Yeah. So, uh, vindication. I'm so happy. Yeah. It's so good. Lore Network ad? Sounds good. The Lore Network. Even in the darkest of places, the light will always find a way through. If you're like me, then perhaps you're looking for a more in-depth conversation about Destiny lore. Welcome back, Guardians. My name is Samlab, and I craft bite-sized cinematic lore videos. So join me each week as I journey through some of Destiny's greatest mysteries. You can find me on youtube.com forward slash Samlab. Stay safe and Godspeed. How is that lore network, Ad? Felt uplifting. Oh, okay. Felt it in my soul. Oh, your soul? I mean, I had to find it first, but yeah. Oh, where was it hiding? You don't want to know. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, brief intro to the topic. This is the lore for the seasonal armor for season 21, Season of the Deep which you can earn by playing the seasonal content and by decoding the deep engrams. You know, they have that theme of deep. I'm, I'm glad that they've really covered that. <laughs> and see, I misread here like a couple times. So I said seasonal a lot. <laughs> you did, well, as you say, I broke that down a lot. That's not your fault. That's my fault for writing it that way. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read this first one. Okay. This is for the NPA Weir. Is it Weir or Wire? It's Weir, right? <laughs> I said Weir. I'm going to go with Weir because Rindle never told me. I asked him like hours ago. Weir. Okay. Weir. All right. It's the same on all of the armor, just so you know. So this is the NPA Weir Walker Visor Hood Helm. Day Zero. Black skies quell storms as if they were fleeing omens. Titan's pyramid dragged hurricanes across the sky like chained gods. Deputy Commander Sloan had seen faint lightning flash from deep beneath the Arcology Dome. Timed prior strikes and their thunder to judge the storm's movement. But as she walked outside to a flash, this time there was no thunder. It had taken Sloane most of the morning after the Guardian had left to reach the surface. Waves were overtaking the rig platform, sloshing methane across the battle-marred power suit woven into Sloane's body. <sighs> Hell. She straightened her spine within the suit and stared at the pyramid through her head. 
watching it displace the existence around it as it clawed a distorted path through the sky. Sheikhan stormed towards her through a blur of flickering neon. Moving away from us. Shouldn't be moving at all. Sloane turned to her ghost. Let's get that perimeter set. The high will come again tonight. Before she could move, the pyramid began shedding scales from its hull. They hovered for a moment over where they detached and peeled away, revealing opalescent flesh. Suddenly, the pyramid emitted a wave that struck Titan, and a half-remembered tone resonated through Sloane's mind. With it, a lifetime. Every experienced moment in a slurry of vivid flashes condensed into simultaneous chaotic anarchy, grasping at grief, joy, anger, love. Seen from where she stood, past experiences gained new perspectives. Memories best left dusted with rosy haze shrank under harsh light. Warmth, too fleeting, cold, still, ever frigid in its isolation. And something else, sifting through it all, drawing it to order as if rearranging fractured collagic pains into a new image. She struggled to breathe and her suit flexed against the weight of her years, splayed out across time in violating fashion. Then just as suddenly, they were gone faded into dreams. The sky turned black and orange like a fire screen, and thunder resonated. Sloane's body pitched forward over the platform, sinking through air then sea. Heavy metal was swallowed whole. Consciousness faded into the black. Her experience tumbled through sharded eras of reality like an astral projection, even as she felt her feet still firmly planted in the present. A cascade of timeless scenes whirled by, like panes of life captured in glass, in an indefinite stream of consciousness. Scenes of Titan, of a vibrant seascape installation, too familiar not to be memories. Not hers, but no less real. Their point of focus left Titan, dragged backwards across the lonely expanse of space to a world she'd never seen. Its seas full of vivacious promise. Its moons conceal a watcher in the sky. Its waves breed insidious appetite in the deep. There is a temptation there she craves but does not understand, unnatural and cursed. She fell again, guided, through a song, a memory, an image of a dream bent into perception like a focusing lens, unreality coated in familiar skin, an attempt at understanding. The tower, friends and comrades, shine and grime all, a heralded return, a shadow drawn overhead, a battle delayed, returning. The tower, a time yet lived, 
black shadows that would fill an empty void in the sky, extending impaling blades down into the streets, pinning life in paralytic mockeries of contentment, a display that strangles agency. A serpent winds a path beneath the shadow and offers to guide. She remembered this happening and that it had not yet happened. So this is when Titan got taken. Yes. So this is actually taking place back in Season of Arrivals. Yes. The season of uh, Gambit, the public event. (laughs) Finger guns. (laughs) So I do remember from when we were doing the lore from when those four planets disappeared, um, when Sloane went out like a badass, Mm -hmm. she had her own exosuit and we're like, oh, is it an exosuit with like kind of a nod to Halo? Like... Because it's kind of kind of like an exosuit. Like, is it like a Halo exosuit? You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, kind of? Mm, is it? I'd think so. I, I don't, we don't know. Like, it seemed like a really big suit that didn't really fit her. It was too big. But, but like, whenever... We had talked about that right. a long time ago. I do vaguely remember we talked about that. Right. And whenever I... Th- think of that i keep thinking Mm -hmm. back to like the mecha suit from alien right oh yeah so that's totally different kind of suit that you're thinking of right wow but like either way she was in a a mecha suit of some kind and just annihilating the hive that remained Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this like i'm i'm still just processing this because like especially here suddenly the pyramid emitted a wave that struck titan and a half-remembered tone resonated through sloan's mind Mm -hmm. with it a lifetime every experienced moment in a slurry of vivid flashes condensed into simultaneous chaotic anarchy grasping at grief joy anger love Seen from where she stood, past experiences gained new perspectives, memories best left. Like, it's it's making her remember. Right. Which tracks with everything we've learned about the darkness in, like, the last year. Especially when you take into consideration Crow and everything he's been dealing with there. So, yeah, I, I'm still in that that frame of thought that like the light is about forgetting and the darkness is about remembering okay interesting and when you stop and actually look at it that way the light is more about looking forward but the darkness is about looking at your past Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. okay i can get a lot more existential about that but let's not um i mean I'm looking at this, so I'm looking at kind of towards the end when after when she's falling and she's connecting with who we now know is Asa. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and she's seeing um, the past and she's seeing the future. So she's getting this, these glimpses of consciousness and these glances that aren't her own. So who is she seeing? Is she seeing people that lived on Titan before the fall? Because a tower, the time yet lived, that could be what she will see like next year. Yeah. But then there's also the tower friends and comrades. That's shining grime. All heralded return. That's looking at what, you know, is in the past. Right. Um, but what I'm seeing the first part, um, is, uh, her experience tumbled through sharded eras of reality, like an astral projection, um, a cascade of timeless scenes whirled by like planes of life captured in glass. Like I'm actually seeing in my mind's eye, like a body falling through, um, like slowly, like imagine falling through something like oil or something like a really viscous fluid with like actual like shards that you can see that are like of, someone's life that like aren't yours and like on every single different shard and it's just like someone else's and you just see like that glimpse as you fall through okay and so she just gets like a little different look liquid methane is like not viscous at all it's like very very um it's not viscous methane is not viscous um but like, imagine falling through, like, corn syrup is, like, the thought. Like, something, like, really slow. And then you can just see, like, little glimpses of, like, or little bubbles that you can see. And they all have, like, a little different, like, picture of something. Or, like, a little life that you can see that's not yours. It's obviously someone else's. But you get, like, a little glimpse into their life as you fall through. That's kind of what I was picturing. Yeah. So you just like fall through, but you see like dozens of these and they just kind of glitter like sun, like glitters off of like dew drops on a leaf or off of like rain kind of thing. Just like so many. But it says like too familiar not to be memories. So like they're obviously familiar to someone. Which means, like, they're familiar to Asa because she's been there so long. So Asa sees everything and, like, hears everything and, like, experiences everything. Yeah. Like, what kind of life is that like? God, I I have no idea. Because she's lived for so long that she's, she's at least seen the second collapse. I think she's seen the first collapse. And and that's possible. Oh, she has. She is one of the first creatures that the witness tried to, like, her, because she talked about it, that her, one of their things was, like, her, um, yeah. what was it, her race she, was one of the first races that the witness tried to eradicate. Um, to eradicate. Right. 
And so their seas weren't like full of their creatures. Like she's obviously just hanging out. But I don't know how she ended up on Titan. We'll probably never know. Just because she is one of the earliest victims of the witness doesn't mean that she was around to see our first collapse. She's like fairly timeless, though. And that is that that is true. Like she feels timeless. I'm I'm meaning she might not have been on Titan. I don't know. She feels pretty fucking timeless to me. Like, and and that may I feel be, like she's just been like hanging out. It, it, I, the the problem having a snooze. Like the problem that I'm seeing is more of just like we still there's still a lot about Asa that we don't know. I have a feeling that we're like never gonna find out. I I don't think so either. Yeah, um, there's reports about her from the Golden Age, supposedly. They've alluded to her being a worm. So, like, I've I've kind of likened her to, like, what the hive worms would have been if they didn't serve the witness. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then, like, she might be a distant cousin of, like, Zeta. I mean, we'll never know, though. Right. So. And therein lies. The unless run. they like have a lot of. I mean there might be more lore that we just haven't read yet. So. And that's possible. Yeah. But like reading this. It's pretty implied to me. That she's been there a very long time. And has seen a lot of stuff. And. As Sloan falls through. She's seeing like all of. Asa's memories or glimpses. Yeah. Do you want to read the next one? Sounds good to me. And this is the NPA Weir Walker Gloves, Gauntlets, and Grips. The flavor text reads Day three, the ghost of Titan walks on through sunless seas, having died long ago. Repulsion, lattice, integrity, nominal. Oxygen sieve, nominal. Depth, 106 meters. The lettering on Sloane's HUD clarified into vision. She dragged a hand through methane fluid to her faceplate, absent-mindedly trying to rub the grogginess from her eyes. Motion in the dark surrounding her kicked up clouds of fine grit. Her headlights flared as her fingertips clinked against her helmet. A thrall came screaming into the beam of light, bubbles spewing from its jaws. Sloane's eyes went wide before she reflexively flipped the thrall over her shoulder and kicked its jaw through its skull. Her power suit spooled and pushed stimulants reactively. She pivoted and caught the sword of a knight mid-swing, snapping the weapon in two between the fingers of her gauntlet and driving a shard of broken blade into its chest. Another thrall crossed her headlights just before a silver streak whistled through its throat. Sloan eyed a selection in her visor, which highlighted over 30 dead hive, slowly deteriorating in boils of tiny 
rumbling ignitions that sent nerve spasms through their husks. Her visor cleared the readings and snapped onto a friendly. Shaya Khan drifted forward. Hive viscera gently wafting into the sea from the slender razors protruding from her shell. You were out for days. Sloane's face wrinkled in confusion. I remember the pyramid wave. Falling. Dreams. Are you okay? Hi, found us. Like you said, Shea Khan said, retracting her blades. Sloane grabbed the ghost and hugged her to her power suit chassis for a moment. Little killer. Really gave him the business. Shea Khan chirped. Pyramid wave swept over Titan, bounced around a bit, and centralized where the pyramid stopped. Gravity went crazy, then the ocean. I think we're a few miles from where we were when all this started. The pyramid stopped? Then that's where we're headed. After we grab some gear, Sloane said. Shayakon dipped forward. One more thing. Something's out there circling us. Not Hive. Can't quite pin it down, but it's big. Yeah? Sloane said, thinking of what went through her mind before she lost consciousness. Then let's not waste any time getting out of here. Sloane lifted herself from the ocean onto a half-submerged arcology platform where she'd stowed a variety of rations and munitions since Titan's skies went dark. Her power suit clattered against the steel mesh floor. She waited for the echoes to die down before taking a moment to exhale in silence. In that quiet moment, she made out a faint voice. Shayakon rose into view. Do you hear that? Was about to ask you. Sloane said, standing. She snatched first in, last out, from a stow locker, racked the foregrip, then followed the voice down a barnacle-crusted causeway to an old research lab with Shayakon in tow. Fluid trickled down cracked walls surrounding rows of dead monitors. Glass reflected prismatic color from a gnarled tear in reality at the lab's center, as if it had been carved from another epoch and affixed to this one. A human that didn't seem to notice them paced within the tear standing in a fully functioning mirage of the arcology. Once he turned toward them, the tear spasmed and lurched forward and backward in time at erratic durations and speed. He was ripped both ways into non-existence as the tear filtered through events like a fourth dimensional montage. The tear held steady again 
returning the man and his moment to existence. Shea Khan took note of the badge on his coat that read Gideon Teppen, NPA, Senior Marine Biologist. Teppen looked upset and turned away from speaking. She's afraid. That's why we're all having them. Something's wrong. She's showing us what's coming in plain view. The man angrily swiped his hand through the air in Sloane's direction. It's like she's screaming it into my head. I know I'm not the only one hearing it. It chose us. He stepped forward and placed his hand on the border between then and now. I'm dreaming my own memories, but with little differences, little omens, black ships in the sky. Sloan leaned forward, hand nearly pressed to that of the living memory playing out before her on the other side of the tear. She's trying to warn us. We should evacuate. We have to get her. The tear lurched again, ripped away lost to the rushing passage of time and blinked into non-existence. Gone. Sloane dropped her hand, jaw clenched. See if you can dig up any arcology records on this. That marine biologist, Tepin, was he in some sort of captured time fluctuation? Is that even possible? Sloan asked. I've never seen anything like it, Shea Khan said. I'm not really sure. Shea Khan skimmed archived reports. It's under T-Lev-01. Looks like a psychic space whale some biologists were studying out in the ocean. They never got accurate measurements. But this estimate can't be correct. Over 150 meters? Report says it wasn't from here, though. And refers to a lot of visions that personnel were having. Which is... odd. Not a lot of alien species in Seoul until after the Golden Age. I was having dreams while I was out, Shia Khan, of some other world, the Pyramid on Titan, the Tower. Like, I remember being there for each one. Well, I guess it could be an ancient space whale, or sometimes the Traveler gives people dreams. But are we going to ignore the obvious, you were rendered unconscious by a pyramid wave explanation? No, but we've seen enough weird not to knock it, Sloan sighed. Sure, I'll log that away, Shia Khan said. You know, the readings coming from inside that field Teppan was in were consistent with atmospheric records on Titan during the collapse. What does that mean? Sloan looked back to the spot of warped space-time. Was he... real? 
I don't know. I just know it wasn't a simulation. Wait, so was Tepin real? I'm... I'm led to believe he, he was. So were they talking to him, but he was, like, back in time? It was like there was a tear in sp space and time, so, like, Sloane got to see and talk to him. That's wild. That's wild shit. Right. So are we going to be able to go through the Travussi with the power of the space whale and talk to Cade using space whale magic? I mean, the oh, it's like the Mars tears. Y yes. Genius. That makes so much more sense. He's like corn. He's space corn. <laughs> well, and and I mean, the space whale that they're referring to is Asa. Right. So like. So you did mention that um, you didn't think it was before the Golden Age. And you probably are right. Thanks to this entry, but I don't even know because we're looking at, um, where was it? It was in here. This is such a long entry. Oh my God. It's like three pages. I am so sorry. <laughs> oh my God. It's like 9,000 years later you were done. Um, it said in here, Jesus Christ, the word, there's so many words. Stop having words writing I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no it's um fucking <sighs> thank you for listening to guardians of lore please hold while orchid sorts technical problems <laughs>
Well, like it was... I'm trying to help you by doing away with you. <laughs> well, like the en- you can't suffer if you don't exist. The unknown enemy was at Titan at the time, so like it's true. Yeah, it was trying to do away with the enemy. Yeah, which were all of the humans that lived on Titan, you know, and the other enemies. Yeah, I mean, casualty yeah. of pre-war. Casualty of war, all those humans. True. Yeah. But. It's unfortunate. The fact that they, they actually tried studying it, the fact that they actually had reports, means that all of this happened before the collapse. Meaning mm-hmm. Asa was around to see the first collapse. Right. I think it is really fascinating that they had enough information that um, he knows that she's trying to warn us. So she was warning them back then to evacuate. So she could be the reason why they evacuated. Yeah. So, I mean, good for her. I'd have to go back now and like look at the book and see. If they clued it in at all, because I know that they write stuff like this in like years ahead of time, if they actually knew like the major story beats. Yeah. And this is one of them that they probably knew that like, yeah, the giant worm god or whatever space whale at this point, which it's not a Persian and, and- <laughs> or Pergle or something, whatever it is, you know, what are the ones in Star Wars? The purgle? Oh God! They're purgles, right? I am. I know. I'm not saying it right. I know the. I know the ones you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're purgles. They're like the big purple space whales. There are space whales in like everything. There's such a trope in TV and movies. There's space whales in Doctor Who. There's space whales in Star Wars. I love the Star Wars space whales, by the way. They're so cute. They're definitely in Rebels a lot, and they're in the Mandalorian now. But they, like, in Rebels, they're, like, a big, huge part of Rebels. Like, huge, huge. If you never watched Rebels, you should go watch it. It's really good. They're, like, a really, really important part of the story. But they're like leviathans, um, whales being like big symbology and stuff in stories. Like they're like very important in mythology. And so having this be like specifically like a space whale and not like a worm now. And they specifically chose the words space whale and not giant worm thing was carefully chosen. I think, to differentiate it between worm god and whatever. They've always been very careful about how they word certain things, especially in in the entries that are very purple prose. Like, right. words are very carefully chosen in, in those entries. Mm-hmm. And this one very much is purple prose. Yeah. My God, is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we see that there was actually a tear in space and time so that Sloan could talk to uh, a researcher from, the, from mm-hmm. the past. Yeah, but I think I do want to say that um, the idea of space being an ocean is really important. 
especially when it comes to like whales being in space. Um, and this is like a well-known phenomenon and really important in stories. Like the ocean of space, though, is like very devoid of fish. But for some reason, like the ideas of space whales is like very well known. But it was like around the 70s for some reason, like Star Trek and everything else like decided like nah, -uh, space whales. We're doing that. Space <laughs> whales. And um, it's especially in uh, 77. I, I taught this in my astronomy class. This is why I'm doing this. I have a I have a reason. Um, in 1977, when NASA launched Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 to um, explore our own solar system, they put um, those big 12-inch gold-plated records on Voyager, and they included whale song. So they thought it was the most important thing to put whales into space. Because, like, whales in space are, like, super, super interlinked, like, in our culture. And so space whales are very important, like, to our culture and, like, all cultures. But our culture specifically. And I don't know why. But they always have been. Space whales. I think that's pretty neat. I've always wondered why as well. Like, I... And you can go listen to the golden record they put into space on the internet. Which you should do. It's very cool. Because Carl Sagan recorded it with his wife, Anne. <laughs> so cool. Absolutely. Mm hmm It's very neat. You should go do it. That is my TED Talk on Space Whales. Thanks for coming. <laughs> the more you know. And knowing's half the battle. Something, something. G.I. Joe. American Hero. Um, about this though, this, the, I, I don't know, something, something. Oh yeah. There's a whole thing about the pyramids in the beginning of this. We missed that entire part. We should go back to the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the pyramid part. I mean, she has this really cool part where she just like kicks a thrall, like through its face and breaks its jaw through its skull. That's badass. Yeah. So she's already fighting the hive, like pretty badass. And the way that this is worded, it makes me think that my assumption on the actual like mecha suit was wrong. And I think it's more like what you were thinking. That it's just like a suit and she's just like fully inside of it. Yeah. Like, like it's an extra suit on top of her armor i'm wondering if she just like because i swear to god like in that and i can't find the show notes for that is was it duress and egress yes okay so i found the part about um her suit from duress and egress part one and it's from raya strad here it is. The heavy power source hung from her shoulders like a bandolier. She draped it across her neck and stepped into the suit, vast and clumsy. As she bowed her head into the gray hood, a view screen appeared before her. She did not understand the language, not yet, but chose the green option. 
With a hiss, the suit conformed to her shape. It was heavy, but she had full range of movement. She focused on her arm, concentrated, and the material scabbed into thick armored plates. That was something. She tried to form arc energy, but the suit blocked her light, or perhaps she would have to learn how to flex her light through the suit. She selected another option with her eyes and selected again to confirm. There was no pain as she felt the suit snake a cold tube through her side and coil somewhere near her stomach. That answered a few of her questions. Sloan lurched outside. There was a storm like Titan was trying to drive off the invader that sat lazily in the sky. She walked into the gale and the rain beaded on her second skin. Each step was easier than the last as the suit adjusted to her gait. A symbol flashed and a hive thrall charged her. She gripped it by its neck and arm before tearing it apart. It was so easy. She laughed then, and the suit interpreted it as a battle cry and amplified it, broadcasted it. The sound echoed off the discarded shipping containers on the rainy landing pads, echoed through the sirens watching up towards the pyramid. Lightning flashed in the sky and the storm raged on. Yeah. But this was golden age technology that she had claimed from the hive. So it was heavy. She had full range of movement. It had tubes. That essentially stuck in her. A hood. But it could make plates. So probably not like a suit from Halo, but, you know, something that could just become rigid. So it could just be like our weird ass weird walker suit. (laughs) It could just be what we're wearing now because it's so fucking ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Because I mean, like our outfit is weird tubes and gray and kind of weird looking. Like it could be that weird Titan outfit. That's fair. I don't know. The Titan outfit's got weird tubes on it and kind of chonky. Yeah. yeah, like it could just be that. Because honestly, the mark is like just a butt tube. You know? Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. But yeah, that was the description of uh, her outfit. I thought it was uh, imp- important. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just because it's been like three years since we read that. Two and a half years. That said, um, at the very least, 2020. At the very least, it was important for as a uh, small refresher. Yeah, that episode was episode 89 from October 18th, 2020. Jeez, is when we did that episode. It's been a while. I forgot that Arrivals was in 2020. Oh, I remembered it. I. Where did time go? Yeah, that's like I remember that arrivals was during COVID. Like, like I had COVID during arrivals. I was at home for two months during arrivals. But like Although to be fair, you caught COVID a couple times. I did, but that first time I had a like during the alpha wave of being home for two months. Okay. But I 2020 it's been three years since arrivals. What? Yeah. Oh, 
where is Todd gone? Oh. I hate everything. I feel so old. Man. Hate. Wow. You'll be all right. Uh, just lay me in my coffin. I do. Okay. I do have to say. I like how they mentioned first in, last out, which is a very good shotgun, number one. And also, you get it from Titan. Yep. Which you can't anymore, but that was a weapon you got from her on Titan. That I thought was a cool detail. Awesome detail. So good. Very good detail. Very awesome. I am glad we went back, though, and read what her outfit was. I think it's definitely this armor is what she's wearing. Definitely. This armor is fucking weird. But it makes sense. Like, now reading that, like, reading what the description of the armor is of what she was wearing in the lore from three years ago and seeing what we have now makes sense. Like, comparing it to, like, the Titan armor, I think. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I don't know. Yeah. And so, do you have anything else for this one? No. Nothing else for this entry, specifically. Okay. So, uh, s- since these entries are so long, and we... Oh, my God. We had quite the lore dump earlier um before the actual lore we are going to be splitting this book into two so and because of that uh orchid do you have predictions predictions um i don't know but i really like the space whale thing we do know that eventually we're gonna she like she's talked about when we've met her each week that she had to deal with uh Zivu like getting in her mind somehow. And I've not read ahead. Um, this is like I've been really good about reading ahead and like preparing myself. Uh, not today. So <laughs> I just made the show notes. I didn't actually read anything. I just copied and pasted. So um, I know that we'll eventually meet Zivu Wrath, but I predict that we'll eventually see like how Zivu like got into Sloan, not in the uwu way, in the bad way. <laughs> so I want to see how Zivu like gets into her mind. So I look forward to that and like how Sloan like battles her off because like Osiris like really fell. And, yeah. like, lost Sagira. And Sloane was, like, so much stronger, but was completely alone, except for Asa. So Sloane had uh, Shea Khan and Asa to help her out. And Osiris was just like, I'm going to kick that door in. Fuck my ghost. And, like, who cares about my boyfriend? Like, la, la, la. <laughs> and, like, You're not I want to see... I, I'm not wrong. Like, I want to see the difference between the two. And, like, how did Sloane survive, like, Zivu Wrath for so long by herself, you know, like, under the sea, not in a Calypso way? Yeah. Yeah. 
Not in the fun way, in the real bad way. So it's not really a prediction, but I'm looking forward to seeing like how that plays out. Okay. What about you? Uh, I think we're going to see how she became infected with the Taken. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot um, about that part. Even though it's like up to her fucking eyeballs now. And then I <laughs> like, also predict we're actually going to get some like... Not necessarily like an explanation of the psychic link with Oxa or Asa, but like we're going to get some examples of it. Explain. So we're not going to get like an, a full on explanation of Asa speaking to Sloan, but we are going to like I, I think we're going to see some examples of of the two of them starting to understand each other. I, I don't think it's going to be full on like Sloan understanding Asa, but like it, we're going to start seeing that relationship build. Okay. That'll be really interesting. Yeah. I look forward to that. And I haven't read ahead either. No, oh, this will be fun. Maybe I'll read ahead by the time we record next week. I don't know. Depends how busy I am. <laughs> Right. And or lazy. One of the two. Exactly. Uh, so, Orchid shoutouts. Um, oh, you ask me this every week, and then like half the time I don't have any shoutouts. Um, shout out to, I've done this shout out like not too long ago. Um, I don't know if they told anybody that they were having a baby, but so I won't say who it is. But two of my friends are having a baby, and I'm really excited for them. There. That's a shout-out. You know who you are. I'm really excited for you. I love you both very much. I'll second that and add on to it. Okay. Because there's there's those two people. I don't want to name names. That's the thing. Right, I just right. want to like. I want to give them their privacy. Yeah, exactly. But there's those two people, and then my brother and his wife. <gasps> oh my god. Yeah. So. Kind. So I'm gonna be an uncle again, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. That's amazing. So yeah, congrats, buddy. Elvis, <laughs> you put a Noki in the oven. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know Noki don't go in the oven, they go in the water. Noki in the water. I either way, there's something bacon there. <laughs> That's so exciting. I'm so happy for him. Congratulations, guys. That's so great. Yay. That's so awesome. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm excited. Oh. But yeah, so congratulations to my friends that are having a baby. Um, don't want to say their names, but you know who you are. You know who I'm talking about. So... Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Um, congratulations to Kite and his wife. Congratulations. Everyone's having babies. Not me. Baby free. Let's go. I had a poo baby. <laughs> <laughs> the elements. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Fucking Christ. It kind of hurt. I'm going to delete you from my friends list. <laughs> anyway. Um, this I hate you so much. <laughs> anyway, this is the part of the episode we like to give special thanks. I'm not giving you special thanks. You don't deserve well, it. Well, that's fine. I don't have a bullet point here for me. Uh, so the audio for this episode was produced by Rindel Zivas. You can find him on Twitter at Rindel Zivas. The artwork and music in this episode is copyright Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive into Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They are the resource we use to make our show notes. Thanks, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. And I don't get special thanks, fucking Pooh Bay, baby. <laughs> That's in the show notes. Um, final reminders. You can find us on Twitter at Guardians underscore lore, at Hey It's Orchid, or at I underscore am underscore Elemist. You can email us at Guardians underscore lore at Outlook.com. You can leave us a review wherever you find the podcast. Uh, you could also jump into our Discord. The invite is in the episode description, but if you want to type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. You can find us on Instagram at guardiansoflore. It's guardians of lore, if you don't want to, you know, decipher what that is. <laughs> and if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. Help us pay Rindle so he can get fuzzy handcuffs, because that is our next goal. We let him get shoes last time. Pretty soon, he will actually have a wardrobe. For realsies, though, we are finally paying Rindle, so yeah. every little bit does help us actually pay him to edit really awesome episodes and make us not sound really stupid because we gave him so much work this episode because we have started and stopped like 18 times. He has so much work to do, guys. Please give us money so we can pay him. I feel so bad. <laughs> Sorry. I love you. We make him earn it. Oh, do we? <laughs> Is this an OnlyFans type of situation where we're making him earn it now? Bounce I mean, the brown cow. Oh um. I like strawberry cows are the kind that I like. But they don't make chocolate milk. No, they make strawberry milk. Oh. Uh. Don't you know how cows work? No, I don't. Obviously. It, you have to drink it from their titties. It, the, 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 only, the only thing I know about cows is that they make really good ground beef. Oh my god. Say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Otters. I'm sorry. Don't make good brown be ground beef. No, they make ground otter. <laughs> <sighs> Don't ground otters. They're so cute. I wouldn't ground them anyway. I'm not their dad. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm pressing stop. You're a menace. 